0: I showed resilience, I thought, and um, and then they just said, nah. I think the words were, we don't think you have what it takes to make it to the next Olympics. Can we agree
1: that leadership isn't based on title or position? I have created this podcast to talk to everyday people who lead in extraordinary ways in their everyday lives, both professionally and personally, in the hope that it will inspire everyday people like you and me to realise we are everyday leaders. Welcome to Everyday Leadership. On today's episode of Everyday Leadership, my guest shares his story, how he went from winning the British Indoor Championships in February to delivering parcels for Amazon in some of year, Daniel Bramble, the British long jumper, shares his multiple setbacks and how a tweet he was not even going to send because of his pride ended up being the best thing he could do to redirect him back on track for Olympic glory. Let's get straight into it. Today I have the pleasure of talking to... I'm going to call him the Olympic athlete. Because that's, that's what we're hoping for right now. That's what we're hoping for what, right that's now. That's the goals. That's what the goals are.
0: Yeah, we'll go over Daniel Brown, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Happy to be here. See, a couple of weeks ago, I
1: was on Twitter and I saw this tweet which said, this year really went from road to Tokyo to, at the end of the road, turn left. And talked about being unfunded and supported. And you have to adapt to be, you have to adapt or be extinct. And that was the tweet from Daniel that I saw. And that tweet hit me, hit me differently, um, to be honest. Especially in the year that we've had with people dealing with a lot of changes, COVID and the impact that's had. To see an Olympic athlete going through that change and going from training for the Olympics and getting ready for um what's going on 2021 now to stacking boxes and doing deliveries for amazon which again there's nothing wrong with that but it's a massive change on on your career path so i guess a great place to start would be like what actually inspired you to put that tweet out and put that message out because that's very humbling in a sense
0: i don't know man i nearly didn't put it out either it was one of them ones where i've been quite quiet on social media in terms of posting training videos and a few people even asked me they even came up to me and said like like what are you doing like how you how are you surviving and stuff um, so that was kind of just to let people know like what I've been doing um, but yeah there was a lot of pride that had to be put aside to that because I feel like a lot of athletes are very pride people proud people so um, yeah like to put it out there I was like ah, this is going to be this. like it could either go one way or the other people would be like oh what are you doing that for they'd be like oh, okay wow he's adjusted and um, luckily yeah it was the latter so I'm very happy with that Very happy with the response. Were you you
1: surprised with
0: the reaction? Yeah, yeah, it was mad. Like I had to turn my phone off at one point because the notifications were just crazy. Um, Yeah, like it's one silly. Like I just thought it was one silly tweet. I just letting people know, just like a oh, by the way, type thing. And um, to get the response like that, um, I was blown away completely.
1: Even when you um, actually even applied for, for the tweet came out and you actually applied for the job, how was that for you to make that, that decision to, to go into and, to like, and, and to do what you need to do?
0: It was a hard one because, I mean, a lot of my friends saw this year as a extra year to get better. Um, there was no competition, so they could just train all the way through and almost improve where they would be competing and kind of plateauing. Uh, and for me, I felt like it's almost taken a step backwards. I, I didn't. I stopped training. Um, I couldn't juggle both. I couldn't walk 12 kilometres a day delivering parcels and then train afterwards. So um, for me, it, was a, it felt like a step backwards. But at the same time, it needed to be done. Um, like I said, I'm unfunded, unsupported. So I had to build an income from something um, because usually my main income is from competition. And there was no competition this year, so I had to, you know, like, like I said, adapt or be extinct.
1: And speaking about competition, in the last competition before we actually went into into lockdown, yeah. you won. Yeah, British
0: Indoor Champion. So
1: you were you were on a high, yeah, like,
0: things were it. things were looking up. You had the you had the medal Yeah, and I remember saying in, in the, the interviews afterwards, I was like, like it's a few tweaks and then I'll I'll jump far, I'll go a long way. And um yeah. And then the year just went straight downhill from there. Almost jinxed it, I think.
1: So after looking at your on um, your career something that I delve into in what you missed out by on the Rio Olympics by like one centimeter.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a rough year for me, boy. Um, yeah, went to the World Indoor Champs, first time at World Indoors. Jump eight meters fourteen. I needed eight meters fifteen um, to make it to the Olympics, and then um, what? what is probably about three, four weeks before the British Champs where I had to come top two to secure my place. Um, I tore my doctor, which is basically the inside of my leg in a training session. Um, yeah so that was a rough time obviously at the time I was like yeah I'm optimistic I'll be back three to four weeks I'll be I'll be good to go um, yeah and I, I just wasn't I pulled it again um, in the competition to try and show form and yeah that was my summer pretty much done um, yeah so that was a hard time man that was a that was a hard summer
1: when athletes tend to get injured I have want to a couple people in the past in the podcast it can either go one of two ways. Sometimes it can inspire them to move forward. Sometimes they call it quits, or there are some who actually keep on going, but they lose their love for the game. Which category were you in?
0: Boy, I, I lost. I think, I think for a while I lost the love for the game a lot, um, but at the same time the love was still there. So I was trying to fill the gap. I remember I was, I was just going to every motive available, just trying to fill the gap of trying to get some sort of rush like I would get from competition um so yeah i was was going i went to festivals i was going here going there just to try and block it out but at the back of my mind i always knew um it was only in the the winter season starting um for 2017 that's when the i kind of turned that hurt and turned that pain into like fire to fuel the fire for next year and that's when the love came back when i could finally start running again start jumping again that's when the love came back um so yeah it, it was a it was a long road to that point but um yeah, I got there in the end because I remember a couple of months after I was injured and I injured myself again, I, I, I even told my mum, I was like, I'm quitting. Like, I can't do this because, um, people don't realise, like, an Olympic cycle is four years. It's not just the build, the build up year before that. It's, it's a whole four years and for me to get that close, literally, that close, a centimetre and, and be denied of my dream, it, it hurt, man. It, it did hurt. It's, it's not nice to go through. Um, but yeah, luckily, I could switch it around and, yeah, fuel the fire for the next year. What did your mum say to you when you told you went to quick? <laughs> of course, she was just like, don't be stupid. Like, <laughs> you've been... Literally, she used to put me in a baby bouncer as a kid. So I've always been jumping up and down, even before I could walk. Um, so she knew I didn't mean it, but she just knew at the same time I was hurting at the same time. And she'd seen... She'd almost seen the journey to that point, me getting that close and then, boom, um, injury. So i mean deep down she knew but at the same time she was like just you know take a step back and and look at it with like wise eyes at a later point and yeah luckily i did
1: so you made your comeback in 2017 you're starting to feel good again and then you lost your your lottery funding that year did that feel like (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) i'm I'm reliving the story with you (laughs) digging out these emotions that i forgot yeah 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 so yeah that was a that was a shaky year man I, i remember i went to um european indoors and um well i'd only been training for three months and i thought yeah i'm ready i'm ready to go out on the european stage and obviously i absolutely flopped like i got three no jumps um didn't even make the final (laughs) but um, i was so eager to get back out there but at the same time i was scared because i injured myself jumping like doing what i love to so to put myself out there in a competitive environment have the adrenaline going it was scary and to me, I felt like I proved myself that year, and then British Athletics just said, No, see you later, mate. Um, so I was like, Okay, that was another kickback. Like, I, I just felt like I'd proved myself, like, I'd finally come back from a massive injury, the biggest injury of my career. And then I, I kind of proved myself. Obviously, I wasn't super competitive, um, distance wise, but I was, I showed resilience, I thought. And, um, yeah, and then they just said, Nah, um, we don't. I think the words were we don't think you have what it takes to make it to the next Olympics or something like that. I was just like, Whoa, damn. Okay. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. So, and they, I'd, they'd been part of the journey to see me come back. So for them to say that after they've seen how I was to where I was like at the end of 2017, I was like, okay, wow. I, like I was literally speechless. I was like, well, okay, this is how it, this is how it goes.
1: So that's, um, so. I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't really understand when it comes to funding of athletes. Like how does that, how does that work?
0: So, um, a lot of it depends on, I guess, age and it's mainly just statistics. So I first jumped on funding in 2013. I jumped seven meters 91. I was a 22 year old guy, um, came second at the British champs that year. Um, and so they saw potential in that. So they put me on what is called podium potential funding, um, meaning I had potential to podium at um, major champs and so on. And so that's how I jumped on in the first place. Um, and again, I proved myself in 2015. I jumped eight meters, 21, um, became the fifth furthest long jumper in British history. And that was a really good year for me. That's when I finally decided, ah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not too bad at this long jump stuff. Like maybe I don't have to, you know... <laughs> work in Sainsbury's like you know just get another job on the side and that's when I actually started taking it seriously um, so yeah that's the process they they have a sit down meeting end of season and then kind of review the stats of each athlete and I guess they decide whether or not to put people on it from there
1: and how important is their funding to an athlete what difference does it make
0: uh, do you know what it, it, people say oh, you, you can you can be an athlete without funding which you can You obviously you can because it happens a lot but um, yeah, like free warm weather training trips, um, free physio, just just having doctors on tap almost twenty four seven. It was it was it was really handy. I remember I tweaked, um, I rolled my ankle one year when I was on funding, and literally next day I, I was straight to St John's Wood, uh, got a MRI straight away, and without funding that I would have been on that waiting list for ages. And it's just like little things like that that you don't really realise and you don't have to pay for, but. Um, yeah, it's just it's just very it's convenient. It allows you to focus on your goal without worrying too much about the financial side.
1: And then, carrying through your career, you go into twenty eighteen, jump that distance, everything's all good. In twenty nineteen, you you moved, didn't you? You moved to a new coach.
0: Yeah, moved coach. Yeah. So yeah, end of twenty eighteen, I jumped, I think I jumped eight meters, fifteen. My furthest distance since. 2016 if I remember rightly and then yeah uh, end of the year I got kicked off from uh, my kit contract so I was like ah (laughs) fantastic (laughs) of course there's a trend happening here (laughs) um and then yeah I decided to pick up sticks and move um mainly because I was in London like I'm I'm quite easily distracted like if my friends say let's go I'm like yeah cool I've got training in the morning but it's fine um so I decided to relocate to Loughborough, new coach, um, focus on the running side of things and kind of just learn again, basically. I felt in London, I was like a, a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. I, I felt like I'd out... I felt... Without to cocky, I, I, I felt like I was... Yeah, a big fish in a small pond, basically. And I, I just needed to grow more. I felt like I was plateauing rather than... Going up, so um decided to up sticks, move to Loughborough. There's nothing to do, no distractions, good coach. And so I thought, let me just get my head down and, yeah, learn a few things.
1: But making that choice, because you were with your, your former coach for what, about nine years? Yeah. So, yeah, Frank. Kind of been easy at all just to decide, so you know what, I'm going to leave my friends, leave my family, leave what's familiar to me to actually chase my goal to a whole different level.
0: Yeah. And, and again, it was something I sat on for like a long time. Like I was doubting myself, thinking, "Is this even a good idea?" Like I've, like I've jumped far of this coach, but like it is moving. Going to help? Is is? Is it gonna? But at the same time, I thought I'm not, I'm not getting any young, any younger. Um, and the Olympics comes around every four years, so the next Olympics, I'm going to be a, like an old man. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> start a family by the next Olympics and stuff. So I thought, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. Um, and that was kind of the thinking behind it. And um, yeah, athletics is a selfish sport. Anyway, you've got to think of yourself more than anyone else. And yeah, that's what made me decide it. I just thought, you know what? I've got to do it.
1: So now you start doing that in 2019, <laughs> roll on 2020 COVID hits. Mad. You, <laughs> you're going through that and you launch a, a GoFundMe.
0: Yeah. And again, again, I nearly didn't do that because I don't like asking for help. Like I'm a, I'm a proud person. I, I don't like asking for help, man. Um, I just thought there's another, there must be another way to do it. Um, but I'd written letters to companies and just all that stuff and just, just got straight airtime, just straight. like, Or like the happy, the friendly response, like, oh, sorry, we don't have a sponsorship program or blah, blah, blah. Like, So I just thought, let me just go this me, see what happens. Um, and yeah, again, I, that was something I didn't really want to do, but I thought if I'm going to make this thing work, I need to find something that allows me to get an income of some sort and focus on what I need to do. And, and yeah that was it that was the, the I mean easiest option I guess at the time so yeah it was, it was yeah but like I said it was a <laughs> I was proud I was too proud I didn't want to write I write all that stuff down I was like do you know what I think I've told the people too much but at the same time you need to for them to believe in you you need to so I had to put that to the side
1: have you had any like mentors around you throughout your athletics journey to kind of help guide and shape or you're going through all this thought process
0: by yourself I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm kind of, not. yeah, I'm proud and private at the same time. So most of the stuff I kind of did by myself, I just, I just thought, let me, you know, them deep thoughts you just embed, just thinking this hard and like, what do I really want to do and how am I going to do it? But at the same time, yeah, I had friends. I've got supportive friends, supportive family. Um, Yeah, if it wasn't for my parents, I probably would have given up athletics in 2016 uh, when I got injured. But yeah, they've seen the journey for the whole time and they've seen, they probably still saw potential that I didn't see in myself. And um, I think that really helped me kind of stay on track and kind of come back to doing what I love kind of thing. Um, yeah, and again, supportive friends. Um, had a sport, Yeah, All my coaches have been supportive along the way. So I think that really helps talking to them. Because we see coaches day to day, like pretty much, what, seven days a week. Um, so they see stuff that you might not even see yourself. So having that like support system around me, I think really, really helped.
1: And what's the... Reality of being an athlete, really, like, I mean, we we see athletes on on TV winning medals, it all looks glitzy, glamorous.
0: (laughs) What's the the reality behind behind all of that? Boy, I I mean, I think athletes are some of the laziest people in the world, to be fair. (laughs) Like, in terms of we train, we train hard, but then when we get home, do nothing. Like, especially... If we don't have any jobs on the side, like, I feel like for me, I'll come home from training. I'll probably nap for a bit, cook food, nap, and then I'll I'll be on the PlayStation. But, um, yeah, but at the same time, recovery is very, very important in terms of training and, yeah, training to a certain level. Um, So we're lazy with purpose, I call it. We're not just lazy because we want to just chill all the time. We're lazy because we need to recover. We need to sleep well. We need to um, eat right. And all of that comes with downtime.
1: How many um, hours a day are you training?
0: So it varies. Um, so today, well, t- typically a couple hours a day, two, three hours a day, twice a week, I have a double session. So I'll do drills, my runs, and then I'll have a, an hour break and then I'll gym after that. Um, so that's what, that will probably five, six hours in total, door to
1: door. Wow. So during that period when you were doing um, deliveries, were you still training at that point in time where you had to just completely like, lock that off completely? Do
0: you know yeah, when I when I first started, I really tried to. I thought I can I can do both. I've, I've heard athletes do both; it's easy. But then I realized, like when I first started the job, I was on nursery routes, so I only had like fifty parcels for the day. And even then, that was taking me ages because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> it was a it was a steep learning curve there. But um, yeah, but just the walk, like the walking and stuff. I remember because I was doing coaching sessions via Zoom as well, just trying to get any source of income I could. And I had to stop doing that. Yeah, because the days were just long, like... And it was during, like, summer when it started to get hot, hot. When it was, like, 30 degrees, I'm walking around with these boxes around London, just... So, yeah, it got really hard, and I couldn't I couldn't train. By the time I got home, I was just done, like, dead. That's when I realised, probably, like, two, three weeks in, that I can't I can't train anymore,
1: really. And how have your other friends who are athletes, how have they coped during
0: this period? Do you know what? I didn't really know. I, like, I knew athletes were trained in this stuff, but it was only when I sent the tweet... Um, I had, what, two or three people saying they've been doing the same thing, and I didn't even realise, and it's one of those things, if I never tweeted it, like, people would have never realised, but, yeah, it's it's friends I thought were doing quite well, they've got kick contracts, they're training well, they're training hard, but then they're sending me photos of, like, I remember my friend, um, he just sent me a picture of a van dashboard, and he said, yeah, I'm doing the same thing as you, Um, that's mad that you sent the tweet out, blah, 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 and I was like, wow, like, this is not just a me problem, this is, like, quite a... This is this is a real life thing for like many athletes. So yeah, that, that was kind of eye opening in that sense because I had people reaching out that I thought were doing quite well, saying yeah, this is my hustle as well. I've been doing this, or I've been doing I've been doing caring jobs, or just yeah. And it was it was, it was strange at the time because I was like oh wow, like I kind of opened not opened the floodgates, but you know what I mean. Like I I just set pace in that sense. People came up to me and said yo, I appreciate what you've done because I've been doing the same thing, and so that was eye opening to me.
1: That's amazing. The things that we go through and we think that it's just us and then you do something and you start to realize that right it's, it's other people doing doing the same thing as well and it only takes that one person to have that courage to be like actually this is me being open and transparent and then
0: and then people are like okay wow like he's he's kind of put his ego to the side and said look like I, I, it's not all glitz and glam like this is the reality of it and that's why I wanted to kind of show that like, the reality of not just an unfunded athlete but just this athlete life in general like we've got to make sacrifices regardless whether it be friends family or in my case it was literally training literally the one thing I wanted to do I had to say nah I need to get money because training doesn't get the world make the world go around money does so
1: I wanted to ask you you mentioned ego a number of times and dealing with dealing with your ego how over the years have you managed to be able to curb that ego and just be like I'm not gonna listen to that I'm not gonna go with my ego I'm gonna do the opposite which I know is the right thing to do because dealing with your ego is not easy so, <laughs> so I want to get some practical like tips from you because you've, you've done it a number of times and you mentioned it throughout this interview
0: I think it I think it takes getting hurt to kind of it, you have to humble yourself like I always say my 2016 was um painting myself into a corner like I was so focused on the goal I didn't really realize what was going on around me um, I was just like, yes, I'm going to Olympics. I remember you I remember made a Rio t- playlist <laughs> on my on my Spotify. I just I just thought, yes, this is this is my summer. And I think it took to get hurt in that way, kind of just made me think, damn, right. I need to be more open to things. I need to kind of you know like shoot my shot in di- in different ways, not just have tunnel vision on my goals, kind of thing, and just be a bit more you know open my my vision a little bit more and yeah I mean it's not a, it's not a good process I mean it's, it's almost like heartbreaking it? It, it kind of makes you be a bit more cautious in what you're doing and it makes you think harder about you what you're doing so I think that's what the key was really kind of um, getting that mad setback kind of that makes you open to other suggestions and it makes you want to adapt.
1: And why did you decide on um, the current path on right now? because you didn't always start off doing this you were what into football swimming all different things when you were when you were lot like, younger so what made you narrow down and focus on this particular area when it comes to long jump
0: i've like i said i've always jumped i've always jumped around like even until i was what 21 even i, I wanted to be a like a stunt man i was doing free running like all the time instead of training i'd be in central london kind of f- flipping off stuff so yeah but it's only what i've always done long jump as well like i started off as a sprinter as most athletes do
1: so what made you decide to um, go down the the long jump, jumper rope? You were into taekwondo, you were into football, swimming, growing up. So why did you niche down on this?
0: Um, I mean, when I started taekwondo, there was always a mat at the start of um, each session. I always used to jump really far onto it. Uh, yeah, and I used to f- flip onto it and stuff. And it was only once my taekwondo teacher said, maybe you should try a long jump. I was like, okay. And I kind of took it from there, really. But I, even when I went to the athletics track, I wanted to be a sprinter. Um, but it's only when I started losing that sprint and I was like, well, wait, maybe I should, actually, <laughs> st- maybe should I actually start this long jump stuff. Stick to the plan A. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and literally since then, I, I never really looked back. Was there anything you
1: were, else you were into growing up or was it always like athletics and sports? Like that was always the, the core focus. Do
0: you know what? It's, it's always, like athletics has always been the underlying thing. I feel like for most Kids growing up, or most boys anyway, growing up, the underlying thing is football. But athletics was underneath that.
1: Are any of your other friends um, into athletics as well, or is it just you?
0: It's always just been me, actually. Yeah, my best mate is called Daniel as well, actually. Um, He's always been a footballer, like always. Even now, he still plays football. At one point, I had a few friends into um, free running, when I used to do free running as well. But yeah, that, that was only like a phase. That was almost like a fad, almost. It kind of died out, and then they just started doing gym and stuff. But yeah, it's always been just me into athletics which is kind of weird because I didn't have any like friends when I used to go to the club I used to have to make friends there um, I could never really go with a friend and kind of you know bounce off each other there it's always just me going into a new group of new people and kind of just thriving from there. Did you have any uh, athlete you looked up to in your journey? I mean it always like it, like I said when I started I I was wanting to be a sprinter so always Linford Christie I always looked up to him Steve Backley as well which is a weird one he's a javelin thrower um I never really tried javelin but just seeing him seeing him excel in what he does is like yeah just inspiring.
1: And because your friends obviously don't operate in your in your area of expertise does it make it harder for you to have conversations with them or can you just be real be yourself and just share what's going on with with you in your situation?
0: Yeah I think it's one of them ones that I could just be myself around them so although they might not know what I mean when I say my leg shoot was rubbish like I can explain that to them and then they learn and then they kind of adapt accordingly kind of thing so in that sense yeah like that my friends were quite supportive in that sense like they wanted to learn about what I'd done rather than just be like what you jump jumping sand what's that about Uh, yeah they they were quite supportive like in that sense
1: and in terms of your um your family you've talked about, obviously your your mum and your, your parents actually pushing you forward. What would you say are the, the top three lessons that you've learned from your parents that have helped you?
0: Probably mindset. I remember when I used to jump, when I used to go to competitions, my parents would drive me all the way to like Bournemouth somewhere mad and I'd come last or well, I'd be like, like I wouldn't even, the competition wouldn't even be done, but I'd be in like eighth place and I'd just be sulking. And they'd just always tell me like, it's not over till it's done, like, Yeah, and just going—I just always took that forwards kind of thing. What else? Just, just use my energy because I think (laughs) as a kid I was a bit hyperactive in it, so I used to just run around the house, and that just—and they kind of directed my energy in a in a good way. And literally, it's changed my life basically. But yeah, I mean, there's the top two main points. I think what else? Yeah, just keep going as well. Even in the last few years, I mean, like when I said I wanted to quit and stuff, they kind of just told me to keep going. And like you've been doing this way too long, like you've come too far to kind of stop now, and so that's kept me going this whole time. It
1: drove you to Bournemouth?
0: Mm, yeah, there's some mad comp- like, especially when I was younger um, those competitions really, really far away, and yeah, they should just drive it, not, and I never really like I kind of took it for granted at the time, because I was like, oh yeah this just a competition, I'm just going to this competition but it's only now when I realise like when you're a kid you don't really, you know it's far but you don't know how far it's far, you're just bored in the car aren't you like you just don't really know but it's only like yeah when I grew up I was like What wow, they used to drive me here like just for me to jump in sand like, that's yeah so I think they must have known I had talent before I even know even knew what I was doing like <laughs> so so at
1: that point in time even though you weren't you weren't signed up you weren't part of the British programme whatsoever they just sort of something in you and they just kind of nurtured nurtured them and they took you to wherever you need to go
0: yeah I think they they nurtured it quietly as well. I think they were never really, like, complimentary. They, I think they held me to high standards in the sense that they kind of, they just said, okay, that was all right, kind of thing. But they ne- they knew, they obviously knew there was something, like, I had a talent. But they never really said, yeah, that's a mate. Like, they weren't, like, proper complimentary parents. They were kind of just like, yeah, good, good. Like, that was all right, well done. And that was it, like, but at the same time, that made me want to excel more if that makes sense because I wanted to try and impress them so I think they knew what they were doing in that sense because <laughs> now I'm hip, now where I'm at now I'm where I'm at kind of thing and it's like okay if I wasn't pushing if I was kind of getting compliments every time I came fifth I'd get complacent at fifth but they pushed me to you know be better oh man that's dope is there anything
1: outside of athletics that you would love to do
0: Oh. I mean, I've always drawn, even when I was growing up, I've always drawn. And it's more like patterns and stuff. So I'd, 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 I've always wanted to delve into the kind of clothing world and kind of just put some ideas out there and see how they come come back kind of thing. I think I'm quite creative in that sense. I was like music as well. I, I always like music, always enjoy. I like the idea of making beats and making vibes. So I listen to music, I'm like, this is this is a vibe. Like, And I just proper break it down in my head when I'm listening to a song. I listened to it like two or three times, just breaking down, listening to each bit. So I'd like to kind of, yeah, again explore that avenue as well.
1: Is there a, a particular genre that you listen to when you're going into like competition
0: mode? Oh, when it's competition mode, it's just aggressive, <laughs> just aggressive, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, if you see me in the warm-up area, man, I just look like I'm just ready, ready to hurt someone. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just grime, like old school, like flock I just that just ignorant nasty stuff like just dirty beats dirty lyrics just yeah but on the flip side that's not me all the time like i i listen to like soul action podcasts i listen to like just chilled just relaxed beats like but it's only when i want to get going i can switch it up and just be like "Mm, right i'm going to war like that's what it feels like when i'm in a warm-up area like i'm no one's friend It's just that switch. Like I just switch into just almost like fight or flight mode kind of thing. I'm just ready.
1: How did you you develop that? Because that would be, I'm just thinking that would be a great, (laughs) great talent to have to to switch up. Like, right, it's game time. Let's go. And then switch back up when it's all over.
0: It's so weird. I I don't even know, man. It's just the environment. Like when you get into it, especially when you're like in final call and you're sitting down and there's 10 other guys that want to try and beat you. It's like, it's just, I don't know, it's just like hunt or be hunted. It's like some primal instinct just comes out. It's like, we're going to war. Like, you're not my friends anymore. Until the competition is done, you're not my friend. But it's funny that once I get out there and I'm in my flow, I kind of become a little bit more relaxed. So, like, I'll clap for the other guys when they want to clap. Like, I'll compliment them. If it was a good jump, i will be like, yeah, that's good, man. But, yeah, like, warm-up area and the final call, that's when I'm just like, <laughs> don't, don't speak to me. Like, I'm, I'm ready Who's your favourite artist then, music-wise? On... Off the track, I'd say probably Currency, like Freddie Gibbs. Playboy Carty to an extent. I like I like the beats more than the lyrics because half the time I can't really understand what he's saying. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, who are... I mean, Drake's up there. I mean, Future's up there. Who have I been listening to? I, Hedy One. I listened to that album not too long ago that's that's a good album but it, it varies man it depends on my mood um the other day i was listening to alexa moore she's she just makes really chilled beats like just really like thought-provoking music like the lyrics are mad deep and stuff um oh there's so many there's so many um yeah it's erica badu just everything like like even yesterday i was listening to some like old school dubstep like just just randomly so yeah very very eclectic yeah like they you know them old school like benga benga days benga and yeah, scream like, right, yeah I remember
1: them yeah like that,
0: that <laughs> I was listening to that yesterday like depends on my mood honestly like yeah like or sometimes it's just drum and bass sometimes I just think oh I want to listen to some drum and bass like, yeah so it varies but most of the time it's, it's like hip hop and stuff like it just yeah hip hop R&B sometimes reggae there's so many more. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I feel like I want to go carnival, so I just listen to some soccer. Like, <laughs> it, it just varies. Did you do your indoor carnival this year? I didn't do indoor carnival, nah. But, but at the same time, I was working in it, I was working. So I remember, because I, work, I worked in Notting Hill as well. So I was, I was playing soccer at my little, my Ford Transit the whole time. <laughs> I, it was nice. It was good vibes down there. But yeah, I, I didn't want to do online carnival. That's it's just not the same, is it? Like, hey, listen, it I,
1: saw, <laughs> I saw some videos online. Just the yeah. name. I'm almost, down in I'm the almost yard annoyed.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 Virtual wines. It's <laughs> not the same. I can't. Oh, man That's, Oh, man. Nah, because it's was a 3D experience in it almost 4D man I, I love the smell of the, the jerk chicken being barbecued and just all the smells like just the people like just everything like it's the whole vibe it's a, it's a full body experience man
1: as we'll come to a couple of questions just to finish off as an athlete just listening to you talking you've talked about the physical you've talked about the mental which of them is the most
0: important or is it a balance Nah, it's, it's it's all mental, man. It's all mental and it's 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 yeah, like whatever you put your mind to you can do basically. I remember there's there was times during winter training where I'd just be it would be raining, it'd be like three degrees and I'm running around this track, I'm like, why like why am I doing this? Like I'll be at the end of the session like throwing up. I'm like like what am I doing this for? But it it's it's in your brain that makes you wanna think think okay this is I'm doing it for a reason like you could stop at any time I could have stopped the session and said oh I'm, I'm hurting but it's it's the it's the mental that gets you through everything and um yeah just it's it's all mental man I'd I say it's probably 70% mental 30% physical maybe maybe 60-40 but whatever you put your mind to you can do man yeah it's yeah mental is what gets you through I wouldn't be doing athletics now if it was for physical because my body's broken so many times just little niggles but it's always my brain that said, "Look, you love this. Like this is this is what you do. Like you need to come back and you know excel. You can't just leave it on the open page, kind of thing." Has there been any like I don't know books or anything that you've listened to during
1: those dark, hard times, which just kind of got you back on track, or has it just been like using your past experience to push to push you forward again?
0: Uh, I say it's past experiences, but music as well, man. I feel like music. There's some. Some lyrics in some songs that you just resonate with sometimes just, I think like Nipsey Hussle or like Meek Mill, like they're always talking about just, obviously it's in their sense that they're, they're coming up broken and selling drugs and then they're, they're now rappers and they're famous. But like, I can relate to that and, and adapt to my sense of, you know, I've, I've been a club level athlete or I've just been, but now I'm like on the world stage. I'm a world-class athlete now and... and like, I've been down, I've been out, like, I've I've been left out of competitions, I've been, you know, forgotten about, but I'm still striving. Um, yeah, just just music mainly, but I listen to, every now and then, just, uh, you know, when when I have to be in the mood for it, like, I listen to Alan Watts a lot. Like, he's very philosophical about just life and just, you know, just the meaning of your purpose and, and just, yeah, stuff like that. So, I, I, I mean, it's mainly music, but if I'm feeling... Smart. <laughs> if if my brain's ready for it, I'll listen to like Alan Watson, just just motivational, just talks and just just random stuff on YouTube. But it, it, it does help. It really does help because it, it kind of gives you like a little adrenaline rush. You're like, yeah, it makes you feel powerful, especially when in times where you're injured and stuff. Like it just it just really helps.
1: So you put to tweet out there. You set up a GoFundMe. You've raised your money. You got a wonderful birthday present from Gymshark Shark. <laughs> man yeah in fact let me ask you how how did that feel like obviously you've had a lot of people supporting you a lot of people donating to do
0: fancy support they gave you almost 9k so like I still can't believe it now when it first happened because I had my notifications on um, Twitter turned off because my phone was going mad from the, the last tweet but I checked my GoFundMe randomly and um i saw gymshark there i thought oh, i said advert like why are they advertising gymshark on my go me like this is silly like <laughs> but it's only when i realized it's a donation and i clicked on it i was like okay and then i saw the amount and i actually dropped my phone on the floor i said like, there's no way <laughs>
1: like
0: <there's... laughs> i actually thought it said 88 pounds and 75p i was like wow that's a lot and then i realized it's like eight thousand. like i couldn't believe it i was just like what is happening and then I thought it was some sort of like someone that hacked it or something. So I went onto Twitter, and then I saw the tweet saying, "Go check your GoFundMe." I was like, "Whoa, like, this is mad!" And it's always one of them things like um, you see the stories on like on the internet of people like I don't know, like a, for example, like a homeless man that can sing, and the next thing he's he's raised all this money and he's like on the world stage kind of thing. And it felt like that, and I, I never thought anything like that would happen to me. So yeah, it, it was it was very 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 crazy. Very like I couldn't even believe it, man. I, was, I rang my mum straight away. Like, mum, I think I've just been given. <laughs> I'm not sure. It might be a mistake, but I think I've been given eight grand. Just <laughs> like what? I was like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure, but yeah, yeah. It was crazy, man. And and that was really like humbling to know that someone like a stranger, people hadn't like all the people in general, like they don't they don't know me. And for them to donate, even like ten pound, five pound, I was just like, "Wow, this is crazy!" And then for that to happen, I was just like, blown away, like completely. Like, I'm not really an emotional guy, but that just made me just think. Well, like I had a lump in my throat. I was just like, "Whoa, this is this is serious." Like, yeah, it was, it was a good time, man. Does it put any
1: extra pressure on you then to succeed?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say pressure, but I mean, it just it just makes you wanna perform more and I, like I say like I won British Champs in in the last round so <laughs> I, I'm I'm used to pressure but it just makes you want to perform it just makes me feel proud even I'd say um, yeah it just makes me feel like I have purpose now and and the fact that people believe in me gives me extra drive to want to show them that they didn't put in this money for nothing um, so yeah I, I don't think it put on pressure I just feel like it's it's just more drive. It's just giving me more drive to be great.
1: So one thing I obviously the podcast talks a lot about um, leadership, and one thing that well, I loved about your your story is that rawness, authenticity, and transparency, which actually even before the the, the funding influence other people because i was reading all the different tweets and so many people were commenting on how that inspired them some they're talking about their journeys and their stories and all that kind of stuff and that's goes to show that something that even you like you said you weren't even going to put out you did and it has such a massive difference and that's why you even when you got the the gym track funding it just goes to show how much of you being real can make such a massive difference rather than just trying to pretend that everything's always okay and that was absolutely amazing for me that's just
0: like leadership right there Definitely, and I remember there was a, there was quite a few like younger athletes that messaged me saying, Ra, like, I really rate you for what you've done. Like, have like I never thought athletes was like this, and for you to kind of say that, it it proper opened my eyes. And I just want, yeah, it was, it wasn't just to let people know that what I'd been doing. It was more to let like the younger athletes know this is the reality of sport. Like, you see the Mo Farahs, you see the Jess Ennises on TV, you see the Usain Bolts, but there is another side to it as well and I just kind of wanted to show that to, to everyone and I guess my last question would be what would you want your legacy to be? my legacy? what? that's a good question man <laughs> I never even thought of that um, just always never be too proud kind of just almost like shoot your shot I'd, I'd, that's the main thing I'd say just just don't be too proud to shoot your shot because you never know what's going to come back but legacy boy that's a, that's a big word right there <laughs> um I couldn't actually tell you right now. I'm going to have to, uh, yeah. You know what? I actually don't know. I just, I just, 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 yeah, like I said, shoot your shot. Just work hard and don't be afraid to ask for help. That's a perfect way to end this podcast.
1: appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on, Daniel. Thank you for sharing your story about your setbacks and actually encouraging people to know that it's okay to not be okay it's okay to actually share what you're going through with other people because by you doing that you encourage other athletes you encourage so many people and like you said you took a chance you shut your shop and now you're on your way to training towards olympic glory and we are rooting for you i hope you've enjoyed this episode of everyday leadership catch you soon don't forget i have show notes on my website EverydayLeadership.BusSprout.com. so check that out and if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you subscribe and tell someone else appreciate your support I'll see you next time this is Everyday Leadership